God. I have in my hand the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, and save man's soul. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Pound your neighbor. High five. Give him a hug. Can you do that? All right. Give him a hug. Give your neighbors a hug. Come on. You're not hugging anybody. Come on. All right. All right. Tell your neighbor you love them. Can you do that? All right. Tell your other neighbor that I'm not so much in love with you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> not true. Not true. Memorial Day uh, weekend brings us a time to remember. Uh, Brother Ralph uh, sends me emails, uh, and he sent me one uh, a week or so ago that, uh, maybe even more than that, uh, of, a, of a, uh, a real, it's a song, it's music, and I just want you to watch it, I want you to be touched by it, and then we'll move on in our service this morning.
full rendition of Taps. I'd never heard that until uh, I saw that video. Isn't that moving? It's very moving. I know you hear that a lot at uh, funerals, but it's a time to remember. Um, I thought you needed to laugh after that a little bit. So how about this? Some military wisdom. Military wisdom. This came from Army's Magazine of Pre Preventative Maintenance. A slipping gear could let your M203 grenade launcher fire when you least expect it. That would make you quite unpopular in what's left of your unit. <laughs> Found in the instruction printed on U.S. rocket launcher, aim toward the enemy. U.S. Marine Corps, when the pin is pulled, Mr. Grenade is not your friend. <laughs> United States Air Force ammo troop, cluster bombing from B-52s is very, very accurate. The bombs are guaranteed to always hit the ground. Infantry Journal, if the enemy is in range, so are you. U.S. Air Force Manual, it is generally inadvisable to eject directly over the area you just bombed. General uh, MacArthur, whoever said the pen is mightier than the sword obviously never encountered automatic weapons. Infantry Journal, try to look unimportant. They may be low on ammo. <laughs> U.S. Marine Corps Gunnery Sergeant, you, you and you, panic. The rest of you come with me. U.S. Army uh, Ordnance, tracers work both ways. Infantry Journal, five-second fuses only last three seconds. U.S. Navy, swabby, and I don't know what that is, but you Navy guys will know. Don't ever be the first, don't ever be the last, and don't ever volunteer to do anything. David Hackworth said, bravery is being the only one who knows you're afraid. <laughs> infantry, infantry Journal again, if, you attack, uh, if your attack is going too well, you're walking into an ambush. Joe Gay said, no combat-ready unit has ever passed inspection. Unknown source said this, any ship can be a minesweeper once. Unknown Marine recruit said, never tell the platoon sergeant you have nothing to do. Your buddies, don't draw fire. It irritates the people around you. And then last from the United States Air Force ammo troop again, if you see a, a bomb technician running, follow him. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We need to... Uh, uh, be appreciative of all those that have given of their lives so that we can have the freedom that we enjoy here in our wonderful country of America. I want to preach today about remembering. That's what Memorial Day is. We remember. We, I love to go by a Floral Haven. They put all those flags out during these special uh, remembering weekends, this one, Fourth of July. and It's just flags everywhere through that cemetery. It's an amazing sight. If you've not done that, you should drive by there just to just to be uh, uh, amazed and awed by it. We need to remember those that have died, uh, loved ones, friends, those who've died for our country. And we've, uh, we're instructed in Scripture dozens of times uh, that uh, about certain things that we're to remember. Uh, the Israelites were uh, encouraged to keep their remembrance of various days and events in their national history. And I think it's important that we have this weekend set aside. Most people will be out enjoying family and getting away for the weekend, but uh, we still need to spend a time in remembering. And so this morning I thought it would be interesting for us to, to take a look at some things that God wants us to remember. And uh, I'll try to rapid fire through these because I've got ten of them, and you're going, whoa, that doesn't fit a three-point sermon. No, it doesn't. So uh, hang in there. There's going to be one point I'm going to shift from being a preacher to being an American, and I'm going to say some things that... Uh, 
Uh, well, you'll just have to roll with me. So here we go. Number one, we should remember the time and place of our salvation. Anybody know the time and the place of your salvation? Brother Don, when was it? There we go. Anybody else? July. Morning service, July 15th, 1963. You were what, four at that time? Almost eight. Awesome. Anybody else? Remember the day and the place? Time? Mine was January 31st, 1970, Saturday morning, 10, 10.30 in the morning, because I wouldn't go in front of the church on Sunday. <laughs> now look what I do. Hey, anybody else? Remember? We should remember that time and that place when God reached down and touched us. I may forget. You may forget. The good news is God doesn't forget. That's the great news, is God doesn't forget. Amen? Amen and amen. I think Corey was one of our first baptisms here at the church when we moved here to uh, Jinx. I was going through our uh, list of uh, folks uh, not too long ago doing an update of that and, and, re and re remembered that. That was awesome. Second thing, we should remember the time and place for our salvation. Secondly, we should remember the pit that was ours prior to our salvation. In your outline, I've listed scripture references. I'm going to read most of those, and I'll have you later uh, today or this week use this time for meditation in these scriptures. Go back and read them because they're really important. In Psalm chapter 9 and verse 15, it says, The nations have fallen into the pit they dug for others. Their own feet have been caught in the trap they set. And so often we forget from whence we have come. We should never forget that one day we were lost. And praise God, we've been found. We should never forget that. Because we get complacent if we do. We get complacent if we do. Psalm 40 and verse 2 says, He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. A description of what God does for us. Lifts us out of that, isn't that a great description? Pit of despair. Have you ever been there in that pit of despair? Ooh, I have. Thank God He's lifted me out of that pit. Praise God He's lifted us out of that pit. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. should never remember the time and place of our salvation. We should remember the pit that was ours prior to our salvation. Number three, we should remember the feeling which followed our salvation. I will never ever forget coming up out of that water on a Saturday morning at 10.30 and how clean I felt. How relieved of the sin I felt. Any of you identify with what I just said? Oh, man. Isn't that awesome? I want to go back there, don't you? <laughs> I want to go back to that moment of innocence and now I've been in this war for so many years. And this, there's a war going on, folks, and we're part of the war. We're the soldiers in the war. And war is ugly. People get hurt and things get broken. And Satan will not rest until he takes us, conquers us, beats us. The great news is, at the cross, you've got victory. At the cross, you win. And your sins are forgiven. Good news, hear ye, hear ye. Your sins have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Now, if you'll just but accept that and live it, all the joy that can be yours. But we should never remember the feeling which was followed by our salvation. In Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, we find these words, But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Oh my goodness, we've got to rekindle that love we had for God because we tend to slide and slip. But when He saved us, when we found that salvation grace of God, we were excited. We couldn't hold back and contain the enthusiasm within us. We had to tell everybody. Anybody we saw, it didn't matter if they were family or friend or foe, we told them that we found the Lord. And we expected them to be just as excited as we were, huh? Only to find out that they weren't excited at all. And the sad part is that when I went to the church to find excitement from the people in the church, they weren't excited at all either. I never saw them get excited. One of the most exciting things I ever saw was the Sunday night I preached as a preacher boy. And I apologize because my sermon was seven minutes. You're going, where are those sermons? <laughs> seven minutes. It was a whopping seven minutes. And I apologize because it was too short. And when I walked down off the stage and was walking down the aisle, Leon Yates met me in the aisle and he put his finger in my chest, a big old guy, and he kept pointing at my chest and hitting me in the chest. And he said, don't you ever apologize for preaching the gospel of Christ. I don't care how long it is or how short it is. Don't you dare apologize. He turned to walk away and he stopped and he goes, Hey, and by the way, that wasn't too bad either. And here I am doing it again. Wow. We need to remember that feeling. When a person falls, they fall from one level down to a lower level. Most people I know don't ever fall up. <laughs> Are you with me? We tend to fall down. Jesus said, remember. He's telling the people in Revelation, remember. He's telling them to repent. He's telling them to return. That's the message. That's where you and I need to be. That's what you and I should be doing. The fourth thing I want you to understand that we should remember is we should remember our vows and our commitments. Now, I'm going to really preach right here, okay? So you may not like it, so I'm going to tell you ahead of time. So you can close your ears. You can lean, go down in a posture of prayer and go to sleep. Because I'm going to preach just a little bit here. Ecclesiastes 5, verses 4 and 5 says this, When you make a promise to God, don't delay in following through. For God takes no pleasure in fools. Keep all the promises you make to Him. It is better to say nothing than to make a promise and not keep it. Woo! I should have got an amen on that. I'll wait. All right. How about a hallelujah? How about a praise God? All right, throw your hands up. Woo, watch out. Christian church, we only go halfway now. I understand. I understand. Don't go above the chair. They might see you, but God might, you know, they got to see them hands up there. That's right. It's all right. Three areas that we need to understand about our vows. We make vows to God, do we not? On the day that we accepted Christ as our Savior, we made a vow. I believe 
that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now some preachers go on to say, and I accept Him now as my personal Lord and Savior. That's added to what Peter said. Peter didn't add that part. It's a shame that we've got to add that part on the human side of it. Because you see, you've made a vow to God when you say to Him, I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. And we go to the cross and we get the forgiveness and we say, God, I'm going to live for you the rest of my life. You're my Lord and Master and Savior. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what we do. And then He calls us to service. Hmm. 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 Oh, man. Are you, are you sure you're calling me for that one? Right? I'm not. I'm not. It's like a coach. A coach looking down the bench and he needs a player. And he sees that player just sitting there. He's going, are you going to play? He goes, ah, I, you know. I, I don't really, I'm not very good. Well, you know, that coach enthusiastically is going to put that guy in the game, isn't he? I can't wait to get that guy on the field. He's going to make, he's a difference maker, that guy right there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, how about when God, when our, when our head coach comes and he's calling us? To get off the bench and go in the game, what are we going to do? Yeah, we got it. We got all kinds of excuses. We got all kinds of reasons why we can't. But we made a vow. God may call us to teach a Sunday school class. He may call us to witness more. He may call us to live a more holy life. He may call us to give more. Ah. Time, talent, and treasure. Go do what? 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 Go where? No. Oh, I want you to go on a weekend retreat with the teenagers and be the cook for them. What? Where at? At the church camp. Really? Yeah, we're going to let you sleep on a bunk bed. What? <laughs> and you get to cook. You get to cook for 20 people. And you get to clean up all the dishes that they, they make dirty. Huh? Well, that ain't happening. Well, they can clean up themselves. Oh. We want you to go to Big Splash with elementary age kids. There's going to be 15 of them go to Big Splash. Can you go? Huh? Well, I got the day off, but what? Yeah, you, I'm going to sign three of them. You keep up with them all day long. Huh? It's all right. You can do it. Oh. oh, better go to Six Flags. Six Flags. Take 25 of them to Six Flags. And one of them is ADD and didn't take his medicine. <laughs> we couldn't find him till 10 o'clock that night. Oh, Lord have mercy. Or take him floating down the Illinois River. You'll sign up for that one, won't you? Unless you're the, unless you're the trail canoe... And the river's higher than it's supposed to be. And they go around this S curve. And their boat goes sideways. And it's two girls. And they hit a stump. And it splits in half. And they disappear under the water with the boat. Sign me up. 
Thank God their heads popped up out of water. Thank God. I, I had no idea what I was going to have to tell their mom and dad. That's all that flashed through my mind. I got to call the mom and dad and say, your kids are on the bottom of the Illinois River. Mm, 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 mm. How about our vows to our spouse? Oh, man, he doesn't, you know, what's wrong? Can you move on, preacher? Mm. <laughs> Behind Reno, Nevada, which is the number one divorce spot, rate of divorces in America, right behind them is the state of Oklahoma. Number two in the nation for the numbers of divorces that happen every month, every year. What's your vows to you in marriage to your spouse? To love, honor, and cherish. To keep yourself for them and for them only. Ooh. And what happens if you breach some of that? Well, the greatest example of the forgiveness of God is when those couples stay together, isn't it? That's the greatest testimony. That they work through the pain and the hurt and the betrayal. And they work together in the love of God. That's a great picture right there. How about our vows that we make to others? You know, somebody comes up and says, Hey, can you pray for me? Oh, sure, I'll pray for you. Do you? Do you? Well, I, 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 I said I would. I know you said you would, but did you? Did you take in just a moment and say, Lord... Help that old sinner. And thank God I'm not like him or her. Hey, that'd be better than what most of us do. I'll pray for you and you never think another thing about it until you see him again. And why is it that we Christians believe that we need other people praying for us when we've got the issue? You know, we dump our issues on others and expect them to carry the load to the cross. Get your carcass over to the cross itself. You go. Now, I'll come along and push you to the cross in my prayers, but don't expect me to carry all your prayers over there, but you're the pastor. You're right. You're right, I am. And it's my job to direct you to the cross. So when you have a prayer need in your life, sure, elicit others to pray for you. Call us to pray, but don't expect us alone to pray. You pray. You go to that cross. <coughs> And if you promise to pray for somebody, do it. If you offer to help somebody, help them. Help them. And it may be as simple as buying a meal for them. You know, I've told you about, I love doing this occasionally. I, when I've got a little extra money, I'll, I'll see a young family out somewhere and they'll be eating. And I'll just go to the, uh, uh, I'll, I'll check out and I'll ask the waitress to give me their ticket. And I'll pay for their ticket. And then I just leave. I don't want anybody to know who it was. Don't, any of that. Well, that came back to me one day. I finished eating breakfast and I went up to pay. And they said, that's already been paid for. I said, really? They said, yeah. I said, three weeks ago, a couple came in here and asked if you eat in here. They knew I did. <laughs> and the waitress said, yes. They paid for my breakfast before I ever ate it three weeks in advance. Now, is that not fun? And, I, and I've, I know who it is, but I won't let them know. Because I don't want to steal their, their, their blessing. 
Now, you know that's what it's all about, isn't it? But instantly, instantly when they, they told me that my breakfast had been paid for, I asked her, who was it? Because I wanted to know. She wouldn't tell me, wouldn't tell me. Well, I asked enough questions, I figured it out. You know, that's how we do, isn't it? But when we say we're going to help, let's do it. Remember those vows and commitments. Number five, we are to remember our brethren. 1 Timothy 4, 6 says, If you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus. We need to practice intercessory prayer. You know, you need to pray, but I will pray with you and for you, no doubt about it. But I want you at that cross too. Don't just make me go. You come with me. First <clears throat> Samuel chapter 12, verse 23 says, As for me, I will certainly not sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you. I'm going to keep praying for you. Every, every week I've got a list of people and you're on the list and I pray for you. Every week I pray for you. Some names I get to and I spend a little more time on than, I, than on other names. Because God prompts my heart when I'm doing that. He wakes me up sometimes. I used to think, why can't I sleep? Invariably, every time I get up at 2 in the morning, 4 in the morning, 3.30 in the morning, 5.10 in the morning, every time when I do that, God brings one of you to my memory or one of my family or one of my children or my wife. And, and right then, I've got, I'm, it's a spiritual call. I take that as a call from God to be praying for you when you're on my mind and on my heart. And so I hope you don't mind me doing that. I may just call you about that time to see how you're doing. <clears throat> nah, I wouldn't do that. But you need to be the same way. 2 Timothy 1.3 says, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with, with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did night and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers. It needs to be ongoing. If you don't have a church directory, you need one. Get one. It's on the table by the front door. Grab one. Every week, just go through the list and pray for everybody. You, well, I don't know what they have going on. It don't matter. You take them before God. God knows what's going on in their life. Take them to the Lord and encourage them through prayer. And there was a time when people were more concerned for friends than they were for themselves. And so we need to spend time about us too. There's times I need to spend at the cross just for me, not for you. I need to spend time over there. We have a prayer room down the end of the hall to the right. It's there all the time. We've got a light on all the time. And if you want to come up and pray late at night, you call me. I'll let you in. And you can let yourself out. And whatever you need, we want that prayer room to be used for what God intended it to be used for. And so come. There's so few, so few that are using that room. You need to come and take advantage of the Holy Spirit that's in there. Waiting to meet with you. Number six, we're to remember the truths of God. Thank you, my good brother. His dad preached for many years, and so he knows what his dad goes through. <laughs> <clears throat> we are to remember the truths of God. John 14, 26. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. You've got the Holy Spirit living in you if you're a Christian. If you've got Christ as your Savior, you've got the guarantee of the Holy Spirit living in you. Woo, man, that's good news. He's going to guide you. He's going to teach you. He's going to lead you. He's going to excite you. He's going to prick you. Oh, I don't like that part, but it's good. Because it reminds me I'm not walking the walk I need to walk. Hello. Amen. You got it. 
Come on, somebody, give me a witness out there. <laughs> Revelation 3, 3, go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. Woo, yes, we need to do that. We need to do that. We need to come to church, get charged up, and go back out to the fight. Get knocked down, get beat up, get thrown down on the ground, get stomped on, and come back into the church, get built up, and go back out and do it again. Amen. That's what we need to do. world's waiting to beat you up as soon as you walk out the door. Some of you may want to stay here the rest of the day. I don't want to go out. I understand. <clears throat> I'll grab you by the pants and throw you out there. Come on, let's go. Here we go. Amen. Number seven, we are to remember our parents. Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Why do you think we have so many teenage issues going on? It's because they are not obeying this commandment. The teenagers are... Running, the inmates are running the asylum. The teenagers think they've got it all under control. They think they've got everything matched up. They think they've got everything they need. You give me the credit card, old man, and I'm out of here. Boy, I'll go do what I need to do. And I got to go shopping. I got to man, knock you out. What are you talking about? My dad died when I was 14. I was the baby boy, so I should get everything being the baby boy. Amen. But when he died, the whole rules in the house changed. These older brothers started putting rules on me I didn't understand. I said, well, I want to get a car. I'm, I'm almost 60. I need a car. And my brothers looked at me and said, then go to work. I said, who's going to hire me? I said, don't matter. I said, mother doesn't have the money, and we ain't giving it to you, so you go find You want a car? You go, go get your own car. I said, say, what? How unreasonable is this? What? I said, well, what about gas money to put in the car? They said, you got a job? He said, how about insurance? I said, insurance? You got to have insurance? The insurance. I thought, huh? All my friends, they're getting cars given to them by their parents. I guess their parents love them more than mine do. 1956 Chevy Impala. Mm, don't make them like that anymore. Had glass packs. You could throw it in the low. Oh, man, it was great. Gasoline was 29 cents a gallon. Them days long gone there. I remember going on the gas war, got down to 9 cents a gallon. Woo! Yeah. Long gone on that. EPA wasn't a big issue back then. But I bought my first car, and I put the gas in it, I put the insurance in it, all that, you know. Boy, not today. Not today. Are you kidding me? A child have to work? Actually work and earn a living? Earn enough to make their own car payment? What? Are you, have you lost your mind? Woo. Come on, Dad, give him a credit card. Come on, come on. And here's the bad part. What's Dad do? Hand her the credit card. He ought to hand her a pick and a shovel. There you go. Well, but I've got to be in school. I've got to be in all these activities. I've got to be in over here, and I've got to be over here. I've got to do this sport, and I've got to do that sport, and I've got to do this thing, and I've got to do that thing. And I got to, and they're all about two or $300 a piece, so I've got to have this over here, and I've got to have this over here, and I've got to have this over here. And before long, those parents are working themselves in the grave trying to get that kid to be involved in everything in the world. And the kid does what? Goes out drinking and sleeping around and doing dope and getting thrown in prison and jail. and Only for what? Old man to go down and bail him out again. Here we go. Hmm. We need to remember our parents. Psalm 71 9 says, And now in my old age, don't set me aside. Don't abandon me when my strength is failing. 
<coughs> Mark and I went over to help uh, Fern Yarger uh, pack her stuff to move down to Texas yesterday. She's in a retirement facility over on Lewis, Burgundy Place. <coughs> and there was an older gentleman sitting down on a sofa watching us do all this. And in between the moves, I would sit down and just kind of, when we'd take a load out, and I'd sit down and I'd visit with him because I was just intrigued by him. He said, my son has abandoned me. He's gotten all my money and just leaves me here. He never lets me see him. I don't see him. He said, he just comes by to get money. And uh, he said, I'm 92 years old. He said, is it wrong, preacher, to pray that God takes me home? I said, no, it's not wrong. Because ultimately, that's where we're all supposed to go, isn't it? No, hang on to this world. But, you know, I was so sad because he's an old man that has a lot to still offer. But his children have pissed him aside. Society has pissed him aside. Don't forget your parents. Number eight, we're to remember our soldiers and our heroes. Now I'm going to shift into being an American here. I've learned that a person in military uniform is a hero. I applaud them. I pat them on the back. Uh, one was standing in Quick Trip the other day, about three or four weeks ago, in his uniform, going to wherever. And uh, I made sure that I complimented him and thanked him for his service. You need to do the same thing. Every one of our soldiers that you see, you need to thank them for what they do. Whether you believe it or not, you need to thank them because they're giving themselves up for you and their families for you and for me. The Jewish soldiers, they honored David. It said David was, has slain his ten thousands. We should make much of war heroes in front of our children. We should remember today those who ran into those buildings when human nature said to run out as well as those not enlisted personnel who cried, let's roll and fought courageously saving the day. We should remember how our country began as a Christian nation based on God's laws and what makes America great, lest we lose it. I am not against immigration, nor do I hold a grudge against anyone who's seeking a better life by coming to America. But in our country, in our country's population, it's almost entirely comprised of descendants of immigrants. However... There are few things that those have that those who have recently come to our, our country, there's some things that they need to understand. Here it is. First of all, it's not our responsibility to continually try not to offend you in any way. This idea of America being a multicultural community has served only to dilute our sovereignty and our national identity. As Americans, we have our own culture, our own society, our own language, and our own lifestyle. The culture is called the American way and it's been developed over centuries of struggles and trials and victories by millions of men and women who fought and sought that freedom. So many, uh, so many fought and bled and died in places like Bunker Hill, San Juan, Iwo Jima, Normandy, Korea, Vietnam and other places. We speak English, not Spanish, Arabic, Chinese, Japanese, Russian or any other language. If you wish to become a part of our society, then learn our language. In God We Trust is our national motto. It's not some off-the-wall Christian right-wing political slogan. It's our national motto. It's engraved in stone in the House of Representatives in our capital. It's printed on our currency. We adopted the motto because Christian men and women on Christian principles founded this nation. And it's clearly documented throughout our history. It is, if it's appropriate for that motto to be inscribed in the halls of our highest level of government, then certainly it should be appropriate for them to be displayed on the walls of our schools. 
God is in our pledge, our national anthem, and nearly every patriotic song and in our founding documents. We honor His death, His burial, His resurrection, and in holidays uh, we turn to Him in prayer and in times of crisis. If God offends you, then I suggest you consider another part of the world as your new home because God is part of our culture and we are proud to have Him. We are proud of our heritage and those who have so honorably defended our freedoms. We celebrate Independence Day, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, and Flag Day. We have parades, picnics, and barbecues where we proudly wave our flag. As an American, I have the right to wave my flag, sing my national anthem, quote my national motto, and cite my pledge whenever and wherever I choose. If the stars and stripes offend you, you don't like Uncle Sam, then you should seriously consider a move to another part of the planet. The American culture is our way of life, our heritage, and we are proud of it. We are happy with our culture and have no desire to change, and we really don't care how you did things where you came from. We are Americans. Like it or not, this is our country, our land, our lifestyle. Our First Amendment gives every citizen the right to express his opinion about our government, culture, or society, and we will allow you every opportunity to do that. But once you are done complaining, whining, and griping about our flag, our pledge, our national motto, our way of life, I encourage you to take advantage of that one great American freedom, the right to lead. Number nine, we are to remember our old past. Jeremiah 6.16 says, this is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest in your souls. It's not... Talking about that old sweet by and by, I'm talking about that foundation, those old paths that, that we used to walk. In fact, this verse says, uh, ask for that old godly way and walk in it, travel it, and you find rest for your souls. You find happiness. That's where it's at. Proverbs 22:28 says, don't cheat your neighbor by moving the ancient boundary markers set up by previous generations. Now, what are some of those old boundary markers, those old landmarks? Well, I think there's three or four. Number one, it's the old book. The Bible. It's not old-fashioned. It still saves people. It has hope for everybody. Don't no matter where you are, what you've been through. If you want to get over something, we had two of our young men share testimonies in March, did we not? About the power of the, of the grace of God in both of their lives and how it was the Word of God, God who called them out and took them from the addictive lifestyle into where they are today. You want to find help? You find God. And you'll find Him in the old book. And I'm going to stick with, uh, with that old book. Amen? I'm going to do it. My, my son uh, or my wife asked me, said, why don't you have this old thing rebound? I said, well, honey, only, it only falls out about a quarter away. <laughs> I don't know. I probably should have it rebound. Maybe more duct tape would do, but I don't know. Because the thing is, war, I love it. This was her Bible that she had in college. Because the other one I had literally fell apart. So I grabbed this one. And now it's falling apart. I may have to graduate to another one. I don't know. But uh, I'm going to stick with that book. Second thing, I want to, another landmark, another boundary marker I want to hang on to is the old-time religion. I just want to hang on to that. I mean, new stuff is okay, but if you just feel good about yourself and you're just told all the time how great you are, you never get to the cross. Why? Because you don't need it. 
You don't need it. If, you, if, if you're the end all to end all, if you're the answer to all, the, all of life's problems found within you, if you can think it, bring it up, find it, discover it, it's you. You're the power. I want to go trust that power. Because I can't do it on my own. I've proven that over and over and over. A third old landmark or boundary mark I want to hang on to is the old country church. I like the church that does a, a variety of songs, not just the one kind. I like a variety of songs, and we do that here. Uh, some of you want us to sing more older songs than we do the newer ones, and I understand. I hear you. But we get them all mixed in there okay, don't we? Ah, the tune doesn't sound quite right. That's okay. Words are the same. Throw back and let her go. Amen? Or as I heard a comedian in Branson say, let her rip, tater chip. <laughs> so that'll work too. <laughs> We need to hang on that old country church. And then another one's the old hymns. And like I said, we do a blend of that. There will never, ever be songs better than the old rugged cross. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Sang it this morning. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And then that old blessed assurance. Jesus is mine, rock of ages. I could just go on and on and on. Just just start singing and they come up and you're just going, you know. Even if you can't sing, these are songs you can sing. Don't let them go. Last one is doctrine. Old doctrines. Old doctrines. 2 Timothy 3.14 says, But you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they are true for you. Uh, you can trust those who taught you. What are some of those doctrines? Well, the blood, of, the blood atonement. Christian holiness. The second coming. Eternal security, baptism by immersion, the virgin birth, the inspiration of Scripture, heaven, hell. These are doctrines we need to preach, teach, and live by. The reason most people are doing the, the way they're doing and acting the way they're acting is they're not afraid of hell anymore. They've lost fear of God in their life. And the culture we live in in America says God isn't even real. He can be whatever you need Him to be. Just put Him in a box and He's yours. He's up there. No, He's the God that's calling you and me out of that box. He's the God that's calling you and me to face our sin. He's the God that wants to save us from our sins. He's the God that died on the cross so that we could have salvation. That's the God I want. That's the doctrine I want. That's where I want to stand. And then lastly, we need to remember the Lord. We need to remember the Lord. We, uh, we do this regularly around the Lord's Supper, this do in remembrance of me. We even carved it in the table so it'd help you. But we do this every Sunday. I like our church because we do it every Sunday. Some churches don't. It's okay. Jesus said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. So it's why you're doing it. I'm just glad we get to do it every week because I can't remember him enough. Why do we have crosses? To remind us. Why do we go to church? To remind us. Why do you have preachers preach at you? To remind you. Amen? All right. But we can't forget him. Nehemiah 4.14. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. Remember him with our time. Remember him with our talent. Remember him with our treasure. Remember him with our thoughts. Remember him with our, in our tasks. Remember his mercy and goodness. Let's not forget these things that are so important. Remember His dying love when He said, Father, forgive them. Remember His comforting call when He said, Come unto Me, all you that are heavy laden. Remember His charge. Go into all the world 
and preach the gospel. Remember His commandments. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Judges chapter 2 verse 10. I close with this verse of Scripture. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things He had done for Israel. Oh, Father, I ask You this morning, I ask You earnestly this morning, that we not forget, that we be people of Your Word, that we be people of Your Book, that we be people who love You and care about You and and want the best of you in each of us. Father, I pray earnestly that today, if there's somebody in this room that's been drifting, that, Father, they'll put their heels down and say, enough's enough. I'm going to draw the line to Sam, not going back over it. I'm staying on your side, God, and here we go. Father, I don't know who that might be. I don't know what need they might have, but you do. So I just want to offer them an opportunity. I want to give them into your hands. And, Father, the cross is open, waiting for someone to come. If they're here this morning, would they move? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing an invitation song. God's tugging, tugging at your heart. You need to spend some time in prayer with Him. The cross is right up there. If you need somebody to talk to, come on, we'll do that too. Whatever you need, we're here to meet that need. God bless you as we sing together.